So this regular meeting on uh, January 24th, 2024 of the Park Board is called to order. Voting Secretary, please call the roll. All right, please stay here when I say your name. Uh, board Member Amy Ambrosini. Here. Board Member Tara Boberdrum. Here. Board Member Tammy Cohen. Right. Board Member Catherine Kearney. Here. Board Member Roshan Parikh, absent for now. Uh, board Member Crystal Timpson is out. Vice Chair Tessa Hansen. Here. And Chair Mike Holland. Here. So a, uh, a quorum is present. Four or five, so yeah, four in this presence. Very good. Um, so item three on the agenda is items from the audience. So I will, I will now open for the items from the audience portion of the meeting. Reporting uh, secretary, are there any audience uh, members? There are. Um, one person already does not want to speak. Would you like to speak? Uh for the audience, uh, items in the audience portion of the meeting? No, I was, are you gonna be talking about the newly acquired park itself? It wasn't on our agenda yeah. to discuss, but you might get a couple questions that might come up later. Well, I would like, I would like the little cottage safe. There's a lot of debate about whether it's a cottage or a barn, but it is a cottage. I'm with Kirkland Heritage Society, Louisa Hawkinson. I would like to introduce myself to the park board because I don't know that you know the exist and the wealth of information we have about, about Kirkland and around. And we're the reason why Johnson Park got named Johnson Park after original home center and Wester parking lot and got named after Good search. Uh, that's my. I think, we, I think we could provide a better service. But I'm not the only disciple. <laughs> well, I don't get really made that decision. Oh, yeah. I was just being fully. Well, it's all of it. It's all of I am not. I have been with Kirkland Heritage since the beginning. And you get calls about one building and another or a structure and another. You know, this is the one that we get the most of. And that's, I probably have gotten 20 phone calls. That's a lot. It has the tax records. 
thing and has plumbing because it has a full bath and it's in pretty good shape. It's in a, it doesn't have a bathroom. I mean, it has And it was, and it, it has its own tax number in 1945 that was issued as his own tax number. And he went about and asked for a bar or anything. So he didn't inform it to just has been paying taxes on that side of income and nobody living. But it was a barn at one time and it was a pigeon coop at one time. And I guess it had a cow in it at one time. It's got a lot of, a lot of characters out of life. Well, thank you for your comments. Okay, in the meeting, the last few minutes, has anybody else joined that wanted to ask a question? No one else to ask. Uh, there's no other audience. Members. Oh, sorry. Yeah, there's no Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Here to learn. That's my regular screen. Agenda four. Yeah, okay. So did Tammy do it? Is that what I heard or not? Yeah. Sorry, I was having technical difficulties. <laughs> we can hear you. Okay. Great. So moving on to item four, uh, the December 13, 2023 uh, minutes draft has been distributed in our, in our packet. Are there any corrections or amendments to those minutes? Hearing none, those minutes are approved. Down to item five on the agenda, business items. Very first one is recreation programming 101. This should be an interesting one. Looking forward to this one, Sarah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, this will be exciting. This is a kind of behind the scenes um, sneak peek into what goes into um, running our recreation program. Joined tonight by Adam Sainz. He's our recreation supervisor at the North Kirkland He's going to be diving into the meat and potatoes of recreation programming 101. Um, I want to start out just with a quick overview of the recreation division. Um, we, we do a lot of different things. Um, I, I think you know the top of mind um, item that, that pops up is the delivery of recreation programs, classes, swim lessons, and, and that is that is the heart of what we do. Um, as you all know, we have programs for folks of all ages, from infants in parent-child classes at North Kirkland Community Center to um, programs for preschoolers and youth from art and music to play school prep to um, dance and movement and sports. So many things going on. Um, uh, we have a new teen program that's been expanding. Um, Again, uh, art classes, team night, um, a robust outdoor recreation program, life skills, 
um, cooking classes, and then um, all of the same for adults and other adults, not to mention um, what happens at the pool with swim lessons, again, for all ages, and then water exercise classes um, and swim teams. So lots and lots going on, but there's also a um, kind of a business services part of our team um, that's based out of City Hall. and. Um, they provide a lot of services to our whole department. They're really our front-facing um, customer service team. Um, and then they also handle um, a lot of the, the park use coordination. So when people want to rent a picnic shelter, they'll call us or work with our team. Or if they're looking for a wedding venue or a site for a shower or a party of some kind, they'll call us for a facility rental. Um, our team also manages the process of taking in all of the athletic field requests and building out the space and time. Um, um, what else? We have community gardens that we have a, a work with Jason's team to um, issue garden plots for folks. Um, we manage the customer service side of the marina operation. So folks who want to moor their boat there temporarily. Um, also the commercial leases there, um, vendors in the park, paddleboard vendors, uh, concessionaires. Um, the kind of uh, yeah park park use coordination, um, and then our team puts on community building events too as well. So lots of stuff going on. Um, tonight we're going to dive into the recreation piece, um, and I want to give you a sneak peek of um, the kind of high level data numbers from 2023. Um, you want to go to the next slide, Emily, and then one more. Um, so. These, uh, this is a sneak peek. The numbers haven't been finalized yet, so they may adjust a little bit. But in 2023, we had over 2,000 programs that were delivered, offered. Um, and this is uh, that combined with the um, 18,000 participants for 2023 program. We are, we're seeing a return to our participation levels and offerings uh, that we had prior to the pandemic. It's been a few years to rebuild and grow. And so last year we were really on par with where we were in 2019. Um, then you can see 17,000 people on wait lists in 2023, which is just about equal to the number of participants that we had in our program. So the, the demand um, is, is double basically what we can offer um, to people. So, you know, the wait list numbers vary throughout the year as people are being added and pulled off as we're working through waitlist for individual programs. And those are not uh, unique individuals. They're, they could be multiple people who are, or a single person with multiple waitlist entries that they're looking for, but it, but it reflects the demand um, on the program. So there's more we wish we could do to serve the community there. Um, and then the next, um, sorry. No, you're good, Emily. You're seeing the wrong slides. Oh, good catch. Thank you. Thanks to Amy for catching. Here we go. We're seeing, I think we're seeing the same slide you're speaking to now. And Rashawn okay. as well, in case you guys. Yes, Rashawn also joined. Um, and then, yeah, if you click one more, and I can talk about all of these. Um, so, um, just some kind of numbers that I think help paint a picture around where are people utilizing programs the most? Where What are those? Um, high demand programs. So the program categories that have the highest fill rates are listed there on the left-hand side. And the fill rate means um, 
of our available spaces in a class, how many of those are getting taken up, right? Um, so preschool sports and private lessons are, they're actually over 100% because we'll overfill those when we can. Um, those fill without a doubt every single year. Um, we, we don't have a lot of openings for those programs. We're limited by staffing and space. And if, if we have opportunity to do group lessons in the pool, we're going to do group lessons in the pool to serve more people. So those are pretty small um, but very popular programs. Um, and then uh, aquatics, of course, is very high. Adult sports is very high. Adam runs a extremely popular adult volleyball league that um, represents a lot of those numbers in the adult sports category. Um, preschool programs, also incredibly popular, high demand. Um, after school program is very well utilized. And then youth camp as well has a very high fill rate. Um, if we look at the program categories with the largest number of participants, Again, we're seeing youth camp and aquatics programs, preschool programs, and then uh, programs for older adults, 50 plus general programs. We see a lot of usage at Pierre Curtin Summit. Um, and then lastly, our programs that had the greatest number of waitlist entries this year. Of course, aquatics is at the very top. That's swim lessons uh, at the pool. Um, almost 8,000 uh, waitlist entries there. I'm sure it was high, and I pulled these numbers this week. I'm sure at the height of the summer season, those numbers were higher before we worked through some of those um, openings. Uh, youth camp, also extraordinary demand that we just don't have the facility space um, to expand those. We're using literally every single facility we possibly could. We have summer camps in Heritage Hall, in Community Center, and I think every single room at North Kirkland Community Center. We're using field spaces and the parks. We're using picnic shelters. Um, we are tapping every resource that we can. Um, private swim lessons, of course, people are just looking for any way that they can get to the pool, so that has a really high wait list as well. Um, and then preschool programs too. So please, Mike, yeah. Um, so the, one, of the, one of the items, the category that jumped out at me was uh, preschool uh, sports. Can you enlighten me what, what that really means? Yes. And, and what age group that preschool is referring to? Yes, it's um, it's three to six years old, and the you have to chime in here, Adam, if you're in, in Adam's territories. It's uh, two what we call peewee sports leagues. There's one that's basketball, and there's one that's soccer. Two two soccer. So we run uh, soccer in the fall, and then we do basketball in the winter, and another soccer season. That's great. I'm really excited to hear that. Adam's team does a great job with this program. It is so much fun. It, it fills up instantly. I know um, yeah, Amy has yeah. talked before about really wanting to get into Kiwi soccer because it, it, there's limited space. Um, it happens at Crestwood. Um, it's run by volunteer coaches. Um, the whole league format is all about like kids learning how to move their bodies and socialize <laughs> with other kids. So it's super, yeah. super fun. Like my grandkids, both my grandkids, so took advantage of the, uh, the soccer league. Oh, good. Just had a phenomenal time with it. So it's all the good stuff. Um, and, yeah. But I didn't realize that that was such a high, um, such a high uh, category of fill uh, rates and uh, number of participants in those types of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That very young, young group. 
Right, right. Yeah. Thank you. Very popular. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, we'll have more numbers coming out um, as we we do our annual report for 2023. But this is kind of a the, the latest and greatest um, in in how things were looking in 2023. Um, and then I'm going to turn it over to Adam, who's going to talk about like what what goes into planning these recreation programs and what kind of considerations the staff have to make to utilize all of them. Yeah, so um, when Sarah asked me to speak tonight, I, the first thing that kind of comes to my mind, a lot of times when I meet someone new, I, I tell people what I do. I work with the city for when I'm a recreation supervisor, and everyone's always like, that's so fun. You're in a gym all day long. That's <laughs> a lot. You know, you're, 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 playing, you're playing a pool or, or whatever it may be, but um, there's a lot that goes into bouncing that ball in the gym or, or swinging in that pool. Um, and so when we go through the recreation planning process, we kind of ask ourselves these four questions ahead of time. Um, we want to know the impact it's going to have on the community. Uh, we want to make sure that it's there's equality there and uh, we're offering it to um, to everyone within within the city of Kirkland. Um, is it feasible? Is it, is it possible for us to, to make sure this program is run well um, and, and we have what we need to make sure it's run well? And then we always obviously take the community feedback to heart. Um, and a lot of our programs that we run are directly from community members who have emailed us and asked us um, to, to offer something. Um, so we have a program idea, and now we need we need staff, right? Um, as Sarah mentioned, I work at the North Kirkland Community Center, and I have two program coordinators that work with me and a program assistant. And then we have a whole lot of part-time folks. Uh, we have front desk facility attendants and we have fitness instructors and class instructors. Um, so we've got a ton of different people that are that are running the community center on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, we have 35, 45 part-time staff. Like I said, that includes all of our instructors who teach classes, our facility attendants. And then summer is a, just a completely different animal. Um, we're starting the process right now to hire summer staff. Wattix hires over 100 summer staff. Um, at North Kirkland Community Center, we hire for our junior day camp, for our swimming tennis camp. Um, and then we also contract out um, some of our summer camps. So we work with a lot of different contractors. Um, and and uh, a lot of that is done during the summertime as well. Uh, volunteers, obviously, we can't run a lot of our programs without volunteers. Kiwi soccer, Kiwi basketball, our little hoopers program, those are all with the help of volunteers. Our events that we run, our Harvest Festival, um, we do a lot of dances, a mermaid ball at the North Kirkland Community Center. Um, those are all done with the help of volunteers. So we're always in communication with different groups to um, share what we're doing with those groups so that they, they're they aware um, and that they, um, they can come help us out. So we have the staff, we have our idea, and we need facility space. Um, I'll use North Kirkland, obviously, as an example, a lot since I worked out of that building, but we are packed in that building. A lot of days during the week, there's not any room to do anything else. Um, uh, all, of our, all of our rooms are used. Um, just tonight, we had guitar. We had uh, cardio and core fitness class for adults. We had uh, a gymnastics class. Um, so we had just a ton of stuff going on at any given time. Um, and we, we obviously, we do programming at the Peter Kirk Community Center. We do stuff at Heritage Hall. Um, 
We've used McCall House in the past for cooking classes, for our little medical school class. Um, and we partner with the school district. So we do a lot of, uh, of our programs out of the school district gymnasiums. Um, we do our adult volleyball out of the gyms. We do our peewee soccer or football or basketball out of the gym. Uh, we use a lot of their outdoor areas in the summertime for camps. And then we obviously use our parks too, picnic shelters, different park space, really anywhere where we feel like we can run a successful and, and a good program, we'll, we'll uh, take a look at it. The budget and fees part isn't obviously the most fun part of the job, but we do have to take a, a strong look um, at, at, at budgets and fees with every every program that we offer. Um, we want to make sure that the costs um, are equitable for everyone. Um, we want to make sure that uh, we, we strive to make it affordable. Um, so we know we're not like the, the, the top end gym down the road, but um, we, we want to make sure that anyone that wants to participate can participate. Um, we always review and evaluate our fees at the end of at the end of a program session or at the end of a year. Um, and then we also have a scholarship program that we have in place so that if anyone needs assistance, um, we can we can give that assistance to them so that they're able to participate. Marketing is another huge part of the job. Um, again, we're in the middle of a brochure build right now. Um, and that takes a lot of work and it's really all hands on deck. Um, the spring and summer brochure is, is really important um, and, it, and it gets sent out to everyone uh, within the, you know, within the city of Kirkland. So um, we've been working on that for a few months now and we'll continue to work on it for a few more. Um, email, we utilize our email database. We're able to um, use search functions to send targeted emails to groups. Um, so we utilize that quite a bit. Um, we create flyers and signage that we're able to post around in different city or different city buildings. Um, we've used social media to promote our programs, ongoing programs, just to share what we're doing with the community. Um, and then we obviously um, we marketed events too. So either citywide events or community-based events that ask us to be a part and, and share with them all the great things that we're doing. Safety. I thought those were these were two really good pictures to <laughs> show you guys uh, about safety. Um, but um, obviously, we we have liability wires for all of our program participants. We obviously run background checks. We develop safety plans. Um, we have a response to weather events. Um, the snow this last week has kind of thrown through us for uh, throw a wrench into our plans a little bit. We had to cancel, so we we're going to have to reschedule and stuff. Um, and in the summertime, we've had to reschedule because of the heat and the um, and the smoke. Um, these are just all other things that we have to consider as we're building our programs um, and as we go through the, the, the process. That's a question. Um, when we're looking at the numbers of the fill rates and the wait list, it seems like there were some of the same programs in each one. It's just a curiosity. Why aren't the ones that have wait lists 100% filled? Or is fill rate something else that I'm no, actually? That's a super great question. And um, uh, aquatics is a great example yeah. because we know like there's 7,800 people on the wait list, but only 86% fill rate or right. whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And the the reason we do have vacancies, mm -hmm. um, but there are times that don't work for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So um, the the evening and afternoon from lesson time fill up really fast, and they have those waitlist numbers in the 20s, 20s, 50s, 60s. But there's there's openings that people have the flexibility in their schedule to do a swim lesson at 9:30 in the morning. Um, doesn't work for a lot of people, and so that's that's where sometimes those um, private lessons will come in, or we'll look at okay, we, we um, do our water exercise classes in the morning that might work for right. older adults who might be retired or whatever. That makes but, so much sense. But great, yeah, great question. Yeah. What are the programs like with the lowest participation? Um, I think at North Kirkland, it might be some of our adult fitness classes. Um, but those have some some lower lowest numbers. They, they're starting to come up a little bit. Uh, we started to offer some different things, um, but I, I, that would be my first my first guess. Do you do specific marketing for the lower intended classes? Yeah, we do. We do, um, especially if we people see it being at a low number, um, to try to push that out. Fitness is tough too because it's like trendy, right? There's um, there's a, a pound fitness class that um, we tried this last year that was this hot new thing, but it didn't get a lot of participation, right? Um, but you guys are always looking every every season, looking at okay, what worked, what didn't work, what do we want to try this year, and so uh, there's some experimentation at there too. So. Yeah, we did, we did a boxing class that went for two sessions and then zero zero registration. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Is there anybody um, online that has a has a question? Chat. No. One other thing to add, um, Adam mentioned that we've been working on our um, our brochure, our recreation guide for the last couple of months. We're going to be working on it for the next couple of months too. And I I just wanted to underscore that because we do our our program planning six to nine months in advance. So we're we're Right now, um, finalizing plans for programs that happen in June, July, August, right? And, and we'll be planning our, our next round um, pretty pretty soon, you know? Um, so this work happens really far in advance. So there is a ton of kind of coordination and logistics that go along with that. And um, at next park board meeting in February, um, Marika Burgess is going to be here. She's one of our other recreation supervisors. She manages the, the project of producing the recreation guide. So she'll talk a little bit more about that and um, our uh, registration dates. Well, I, I do have one question. Um, so Sarah and Adam both did a great job outlining some of the challenges that your, your area faces with facilities and staffing budget. My question, I guess, is you have low-hanging fruit items. That, you know, if only we had this one small item, we can make a big difference and do something. You know, what, is, what is another pool? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know low-hanging fruit things that you could easily get that would make a difference. And I'm guessing no, but uh, I would like to ask that question. 
I feel like we're pretty creative and thrifty in utilizing all the resources that we have. Um, an example is uh, the use of Heritage Hall uh, for, for summer camps um, during the summer months. Uh, prior to the pandemic, that facility had a lot of um, rental usage during the week. And it, and it doesn't as much anymore. And we thought, hey, could we utilize this five days a week for summer camps? Have a, like things going on for a lot of children. And so that's been a, a relatively new resource that we dedicated for um, but um, bigger things would be helpful, like a, a pool, gymnasium, <laughs> outside, gymnasium, you know, would be, yeah, yeah. yeah. An indoor facility, yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you know, each of our each of our staff has so much caring capacity that they can manage in terms of administering programs. And not all programs are created equal, right? They have all different shapes and sizes and scopes, and um, so. Um, it, it, the, the volume can look a little bit different depending on what the program is and what its needs are. Sometimes it's easy to say, sure, we could add another, you know, contracted program um, happening at a, a field in a park or something like that. But that all, that all takes time and it all adds up and contributes to people's place. So at some point we, we reach our maximum and, and I feel like we are doing everything that we you know can with our existing resources yeah. to do that but uh, yeah that's kind of what i would expect here but i wanted to ask yeah. well and it's yeah it's looking at like how do things change and what like when do we need to let go of programs that aren't working like the boxing class you know and okay. and then what can take that space that so. well i look forward to seeing the the new rec publications coming out around <laughs> the corner and i know as soon as it comes out all of the Hot classes are going to fill right up because you guys do such a great job. There's high demand that people just jump on this thing. They wait for this. And because uh, it's such a good program you have. So I have to say thank you. Any other comments? Oh, I had a question. Um, your comments about the programming and the high demand made me um, think about asking how wait lists are managed. Um, and I might have to. Well, my kids in a program for a long time, but what I do remember from when they were really young, um, it was just the way that it was managed was in favor of stay-at-home moms. So, for example, if you were able to be able to go to North Kirkland, I'm pretty sure I've been there in person to register before on my registration and line up to, you know, get your toddler into a class. That was kind of the, you know, sneak around to be able to do that. Sure. And so I'm more interested because I um, have concerns about, you know, dual income families where parents aren't able to jump on wait lists or set their clocks to when it first starts and how do you manage that so it's equitable? Yeah, that's a great question in, in our, um, the way we've approached registration has evolved a lot over the years mm -hmm. as um, technologies have changed and the demand has changed. Um, so currently our online registration opens at 7 a.m. Um, and I think prior to that it was, was 8 a.m. And prior to that it was um, you know midnight online as the day of, right? And so we've, we've, we've adjusted that over the years to, to 
try our best to find a time that we hope people may have some availability. It's maybe before their their work day, um, but that is that is a challenge and a concern. Um, the um, the other thing that we're we're looking at right now is acknowledging that there's demand, high demand. Acknowledging that um, our recreation software can be challenging for people to navigate. It can be cumbersome to have to create an account and navigate the system and just figure, like figure out the process to register itself. Um, and you have to be in the know to know. Oh, I got to set my alarm at 7 a.m. on March 19th if I want to get a camp spot. You know. Um, and so we've been working with our colleagues and human services team to um, try to identify some trusted partners who can um, work with us to get the word out about, hey, this is this is how we can be proactive in letting people know some tips for registration, how to get prepared, how to go through the process of making an account. Um, and we've been doing some proactive messaging on that the last couple of years as well. The other thing that um, we tried last year, and we're going to try it again this year, is, is setting aside some um, spaces in camps in particular that are really high demand um, for folks who may not be able to navigate our registration process at 7 a.m. Um, maybe um, English is not their first language, and so there's some, some extra barriers there. Um, and these folks would be referred by trusted partners um, to kind of get connected with these spots, folks that we know have a need, um, a navigational support need to get other things you want to? I mean, yeah, we're, we really try to just promote when registration opens too, you know, using social media, email, posting uh, around the community centers so that everyone's aware. Because I have 7 a.m., like Sarah mentioned, it, it go, I mean, volleyball, I, I don't know how the folks do it, but that thing fills up by 7.02. Like, <laughs> every spot is taken. Um, they must have a bot or something. I'm not IT savvy enough to know how to do it, but. Um, so yeah, we're just trying to get the word out too. And that's just like word of mouth sometimes. Folks come in and they're like, well, how competitive is it? I honestly tell them, I'm like, hey, you know, you've got to be ready to go at seven. Um, so just, yeah, just trying to make sure that the community knows uh, our registration dates and times. One of the other things that Sarah, I don't know if you mentioned or not, I don't think one of the other evolutions that we've added um, to help Use the registration process and split up resident and non resident registration dates. Um, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and you were saying a bunch of stuff, and so I was like, this is uh, to prioritize Kirkwood residents over non residents. Keep evolving how far apart the different periods are. We couple years ago, we split up aquatics to make it a little simpler. Focus on aquatics registration one day and all the other stuff the other day because we do get a lot of phone calls, and so that does help. As people are putting all those different things in their carts, sometimes no, right. a little simple. We're always evolving. And I believe the way lists are just handled on the first like, wait registration. I got you. I, I hear your ultimate. That was one of the issues. Originally, like, registration. There's no time sentence. You can start registering online at midnight, but we didn't start answering the phones till eight. Uh, we've merged those two times together, and then. Uh, Wait, wait, let's just oh, yeah. uh, go down the list. The system now keeps it in order. So if you sign up first on the wait list, we're just going to call Mike to make it better. We're going to call first person on the list. See if they want to figure it out. And how we handle it at North Kirkwood on wait list, we will, it, the system will send an email and it gives that person 24 hours to, mm -hmm. to respond. 
Um, we'll call the folks too, so that they get the email and a phone call, so that we're not just okay. You didn't answer, you know. You know, we're moving down the line. Um, so we try, we try to at least get everyone twenty four hours. Or so. Okay. Okay. Did, did you have anything? Anything the just that Amy had left a comment. Stepping away, I wanted to echo my programming is fantastic and greatly appreciate the great work. And she's got her calendar reminder for spring peewees on her. Thank you. I could read that. I know, it's super small. <laughs> um, I'm going to move on to the next item. Thank you so much, Sarah. Can the audience name or respond or ask a question? No. Not. That's up to date. Yeah, certainly, yeah. Oh, about that. Is parking an issue at all? How much parking do you have? And which, which, yeah, any of it. Depends on the program. Sometimes, like some of the larger ones up at the Monster Bash, some of the TV events they have, or preschool events they have, that parking lot fills up. Some of our sports programs, you just have to schedule an hour and a half. I don't know where you are on the Camry. And I just thought, is that a facility that could be used by Mark's? There's there's no movement on the Camry. There's no, uh, uh, it's a city work for I think parking is actually one of the big concerns I have about that facility. The limited parking there makes it more challenging to use it as a public facility. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, I'll move on to the next item on the agenda. And that is item um, B, ballot measure feedback. And John and Lynn, I think you're going to be leading, leading this one. It's Hillary. Yeah, so as you all know, and we've had a few informal conversations, um, ballot measure didn't pass last fall. Uh, we didn't have time to really have a formal debrief in November because it was a week after the election. The day after the election. Um, and then in December, we had some informal feedback, but we have formalized our thinking and we're ready to get some feedback. Um, last night, we reconvened PFEC for the first time in I don't remember how many months. We were trying to remember that last time. Um, to gather their feedback. And if you don't remember, PFEC was the, um, the large focus group that helped provide feedback about uh, what should, should and shouldn't be included in the ballot measure, um, funding mechanisms, et cetera. Um, so we, use, we essentially used PFEC last night as a focus group to try and, you can go to this next one, I think, uh, to gather. Um, their insights, as well as the insights they heard from the community about what, why people may have voted yes, why people may have voted no, uh, any misperceptions or confusion, confusing elements that, that existed. Um, and then uh, we also provide an update about where we're looking to go in the future, and we wanted to get their feedback on that. Uh, so we had a couple of, uh, we broke that, because PFEX is a rather large group, I think we had about 35 people there last night. Uh, so we broke into several small groups. We're just gonna have to operate as one group tonight. Uh, and had lots of conversations to try and get at some of those points. Um, so with that being said, I... All right. 
Try to get some feedback on Prop 1. And folks online, feel free to chime in um, if you have feedback. Uh, we have essentially three questions for you that we'd like to just open the floor and have some conversation. We're going to start with the first one and gather your feedback and go through them. Uh, essentially, why do you think people voted yes? And this can be yourself. It can be the community. You don't have to tell us how you voted one way or another if you don't want to. We're not asking that question. We're just asking, what were some of the reasons that you you heard from people as to why they voted yes, uh, and what were some of those critical reasons? Same thing on the no side, um, and then what are some of the misperceptions or confusion um, that you heard in the community? Uh, Mike got to participate in our um, exercise last night. He was actually at my table, so lots of, lots of good conversation. Uh, Nick, do you have any questions? Before we jump into the discussion? Uh, no, I'm not going to summarize last night because it might sway your thinking. Fresh, fresh thinking. So really, I don't have, this is as much as you're going to see on the screen for now. Uh, <laughs> I've got another slide. We're not trying to provide a lot of new information right now. We're just trying to provide, get that feedback. The So, um, you just want to go down the list. Let's start with the yes, because I think it goes down the I'm hoping other people might change. Um, so, I voted yes. Um, I think that the underlying reason that I did is I've been a long time resident of um, Inhill, especially, but and then for the last 10 years. Um, and over that time, I've had my kids at swim lessons at Edwards State Park at Juanita High School in the Waves program. And one time I was lucky enough to get them into swim lessons at the Peter Kirk School. Um, and I can say that, you know, part of the time I was working parent, part of the time I was a stay-at-home parent. And um, you have to be on the ball and lucky to be able to get your kids in this area and the pools also that are available are not great facilities and St. Edwards and the Moose Armory Headstead is falling apart and you can't manage it. Um, on of pool, I haven't been there since they rebuilt the high school. I don't know if the old pool still is there, but it was not a great pool then. I guess it was an investment in my viewpoint in um, upgrading facilities that have been there since the 50s and 60s, and maybe early 70s, that's the latest. That's it's reinvesting into our community, replacing infrastructure that now really has fallen out. Well, not to disparage the school district, I should mention that they have, in fact, upgraded the filtration system. <laughs> and, and they have more front of It's the same capacity, same. I think a lot of people that I talked to that um, told me that they voted yes for a lot of people have experienced the wait list and knew the need and you know had real life experiences from it. We're on wait lists 
for a long time. Tammy, Sean, any thoughts? Um, I, I thought we also reviewed this at our, was it our last meeting or the meeting before that, where we kind of went over all the different views of why people um, voted yes and no. Roshan, I think you brought to the table quite a bit as well. I did. But I think I think everything's been captured. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to repeat myself, but I'm happy to give you the, the you know, brief list, but I think it's it's well known what you probably already heard. Give give us your top view. Well I mean for, for yes, I mean those of us who really wanted it, um, despite whatever other things we thought might have been detractors to getting a an approval, you know, went out and campaigned for it and contributed and whatever, because this has been the critical thing that's been missing for decades, okay? And everyone recognizes this. The previous presentation talked about the wait list for aquatics in particular, the number one thing. So all the people who I could be in touch with and my you know, fellow members on the Yes campaign, you know, were out there gathering that up. Um, so I, I think that uh, people see a critical need. They want to invest in the community. They know it's a number one issue for us. So they voted yes. Um, the no, um, well, basically the the no campaign was very successful in saying that it's you know too big and it costs too much. And I think cost was a big reason. And at a you may recall at the joint uh, park board city council meeting, I think that's what it was, where it was discussed. And you know we just recently got all of our updated um, tax allocations, and you know it was. However, they reallocated for a lot of people it was a pretty steep increase. So I think that, that that hurt, plus the idea that you could get something for nothing, which is a complete fallacy. Okay. We all know that. But that 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 tends to sway people. And then there was a lot of confusion about um, and I have to admit it took quite a bit of trying with um oh, I've forgotten the other staff members who work in finance and the one who's the liaison for for um the park board. It took a little bit of digging to figure out exactly what those folks were were, were referring to in terms of um, how their taxes might increase even more over time, and even for new construction. And I think that that wasn't well explained. Um, it was in the resolution that was passed by the council. You would have really had to click the reference and know how to look it up. And eventually, I got to it with the guidance of, of other city staff, but. That was that was kind of a climb down for me because you know I didn't think it worked that way and it, and it actually did so that that hurt um, misrepresentations or confusion. I mean, there were some folks who were just you know they're taxed out; they don't want to pay any more for anything, even if they see the need. Um, and I think the confusion was mostly about we could just get the Y to come and do it, and it would cost half the amount. You guys have all heard that, so I think that that sold really well in the no side. And <laughs> And I would, I would add, I think, confusion around the capital versus the program pieces, the ongoing run costs versus um, funding for capital. And I think that was the confusion around the vehicle by which we were trying to pass the, um, the, the, the proposal 
um, two different mechanisms requiring two different kinds of votes, which I think was confusing. Comment. First what why people voted yes. We know from the exhaustive research that the city did, and certainly TCS did, on what's important to the citizens of Kirkland, time after time, was a new aquatic center. Documented the pros plan, documented further by additional surveys over and over again, it was by far the number one part uh, enhancement that wanted to be done, period. Um, second, second item, um, I think the I think the no the no group did a pretty nice job highlighting the issue of the, the forever tax that caused a lot of frustration and a lot of angst with a lot of citizens. Uh, people, I think that uh, people that I talked to, that to them was the showstopper, the forever tax, knowing that this was not a capital. You know, you were not going to pay off the capital investment and be finished. This is going to be there forever and ever. Because once we once we build it, we then have to maintain it. That money is going to be used to maintain the facilities and used for other other important park investments. Um, I don't think people bought into that concept at all. My neighbors did not buy into it. Um, that probably that's maybe was the number one reason how it was funded. This reason. Um, Second was um, it was too big, too much money. Even though the, the feedback and the council um, did what they could to bring it down to uh, two hundred eighty dollars per million assessed value, that was deemed to be still too high by a lot of people I talked to. Um, and there were a lot of misconceptions. People really didn't understand. I think people um, people had angst about the how it was going to be funded, so they made up a lot of questions that addressed really small points of interest and really harped on the really really small pieces. It's, and then they kind of snowballed into more confusion among people. Uh, so I'm gonna stop right there. I'm turn it over to. I have a little note on um, misconception. Uh, I shared this with John, but I shared a volunteering opportunities for like volunteering for the campaign with my National Honor Society Club. And within a few weeks, I the Honor Society advisor, the teacher reached out to me and said, we've gotten like five or six emails from parents of students that are volunteering that are really upset that this is being um, offered as a volunteer opportunity for our Honor Society Club. And so it was like deemed as a very controversial thing, even though I was like, oh, it's a, it's a pool and things like that. But um, we had to take it off of our simple National Honor Society um, volunteering opportunity because parents were emailing and saying, this is really expensive, it's not fair, high taxes and things like that. So I think it really did have that reputation of being very controversial in terms of being really expensive and, and equitable. And I also think there was a lot of confusion on 
how that tax was going to play out as well. Like I just saw posters everywhere saying forever tax, but I also don't think a lot of people knew like what exactly or how exactly the tax was supposed to work. I mean, everybody says this, but I think it's, you know, if you've ever taken a behavioral economics or behavioral psychology class about, I think when we're a policy class, uh, you have um, people, our tax system is so complicated that people zone out. And so then what happens is that, you know, a key phrase like, you know, forever tax really is a much easier thing for people to process rather than our complicated taxes. So um, until the um, money mechanism can be clearly laid out, I think you will have a really difficult time with people who next option is fairly taxation. But no, that is such a clear and simple message. Um, and and then the other part of that that I think is kind of a corollary is um, some of the um, annual committee stuff got really played up. Not stuff, actually the annual fee, um, where it seemed extraordinarily expensive and somehow it was also being hidden from the public when there was, um, in my mind, an annual membership is not how much people would approach this facility instead they would pay by usage um, because it was becoming that Kirkland is building a pro club or a W aquatic or W um, club type facility and it's outrageous for us in this kind of economic hardship you know, which is you know also a timing issue with property tax. Being delivered to everybody right about the same time you were trying to make a decision about voting. So I think also messaging about how the fee structure is to use the facility because we had a lot of people saying, I can't afford to even use this, not alone the tax burden. And my understanding is that that's not really what was going to drive fees was annual membership to pay by um, by usage. There were scholarships available. There was money. Um, and I think that piece comes. So that's kind of the misperception or confusion. Does anyone have any other thoughts on Prop 1 and kind of looking backwards? And we will go back and listen to the December meeting. The, yeah. the only thing, the other thing I would add, and I think we talked about it the last meeting, is um, figuring out what should go in as sort of new new business, if you will, versus what the city should be taking care of in its regular financing. So I know we tried to put some things into the plan um, for a new program aside from the pool. So maybe scaling it back down just to an aquatic center um, and making it really simple and then having the city figure out ways to deliver other services that are still important, but not necessarily in the scope of, of an aquatics and, and recreation facilities plan. 
That's actually a good segue into our next looking forward conversation. Um, so council is still interested. Um, one of the things is we got an answer to one question last in November. People didn't want the prop one the, the way it existed. I don't know if the answer is they don't want pool. Council is interested in putting putting a different ballot measure on the ballot sometime this year and exploring that. We are pursuing that. Um, and we've come up with a couple of different concepts um, that we think could be feasible. Um, we're talking a smaller aquatics focused facility. It would have a uh, lab pool or rec pool. Hasn't been designed yet, so I don't know what that would be, but if you're similar to what you saw, the six or eight lane pool, the rec pool, um, locker room, some modest multi-purpose rooms for like birthday parties or meetings or uh, things of that nature, but not the full on full scale rec center. There's a couple ways to funding options that we come up with. Um, one would be a nine-year levy at 15 cents per thousand. So compare that to the last time, which was 28 cents per thousand, which is a reminder. Um, at 15 cents per thousand dollars of assessed value, that's about $150 per the uh, million dollar home. Um, a nine-year levy can be used for debt. So we would be able to clearly state in the ballot measure, this is gonna pay to build a building. This only pays to build the building. It doesn't pay to operate the building. I'm asking those questions. Yeah, we know that that was a concern from last time. Um, so that just to be clear, this levy could pay the debt of the construction. Um, and we would be able to pay off a 40,000 square foot facility uh, with that 15 cents. That would last for nine years and then it would expire and then that tax would go away. Um, the other option would be a 30 year bond. We've got 6.6 .6 cents per thousand or $66 a year, but that would last for 30 years. Um, uh, and since it's a bond, it would require 60% tax. Those are two options that are being considered right now or being put out there. Um, so our looking forward questions, do you think council should still be looking to put something on the ballot this year? Uh, and then if no, why, if yes, why? Um, if this were on the ballot in November, we're looking at either August or November as of right now. Um, uh, and we're working at a very fast pace to try and get to that August timeline, but knowing there is November after that. Um, but if this were put on the ballot in November at the same time as school district or public health and safety measures, does this change your opinion of whether or not we should continue this again? Um, and then what do you think about the two options? Proposed? Do you have a preference of one funding mechanism over the other um, 30 year versus the, the nine year? Um, so with that, I will open it up. Okay. Not all at once. I, I can share. Oh, I guess I could raise my too, like Amy. Go ahead, Amy. You do it the Sorry. right way. <clears throat> I, <clears throat> I put my hand up before I heard you start talking. Um, a question for the, I guess, both the nine and the 30 year. What's the funding mechanism for operating the building? Where does that come out of? Is it out of the current operational budget? And is that, um, I guess, how, how is that going to plan to be accommodated? To be determined. It will be, we're, we're still figuring that out. Uh, but we've, we've heard that that's a concern that we need to make sure is addressed. Uh, so at this point, it doesn't address that. We'll say to that. But. Okay, thank you. Andy, 
Um, yeah, thanks. Um, I think I think the first one over the second one, the 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 not the um the nine year that expires or six, uh, where did it go? Um, because I, you know, having having the sixty percent threshold seems too high for Kirkland, um, to get to that point, and I so I think fifty percent plus one could possibly make make it happen and i think i mean the way that i read this right um the funding for operations is going to have to come out of the operating of the of the facility which is going to mean you're still going to have a membership and you're going to have fee for programs um and just like we fund our other our other facilities and programs so if you then figure on baking it in as part of the larger recreation budget and how we budget for facilities and program, I think it would be an easier, easier narrative because people already understand how they pay for peewee soccer, right? Or, or basketball. And, and we, we pay the, how we pay the recreation for the, the current facilities that we have. So it would be an incremental, um, Increase and of course it would be shared over the entire um, city. So I I think I think that's an easier narrative. It's nine years and it's done, and then you know then you can have a conversation about improvements or whatnot. You know based on people's feedback from from it. Oh, and then you asked about doing it in November. Um, so it sounds like just to clarify, you, you do think council should consider. Should keep considering this or evaluating. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think having a additional aquatics is going to be really important. I mean, I think it is really important. I think the city has said that, and I think what I heard back from the no votes is let's just build a pool and call it a day. So this effectively does that. You still have the issue about the space, right? The no votes. We're also talking about not doing it in Houghton. Um, you know, so I just. I, I don't have a real sense on on the city the the people who are going to vote on on sort of how they move forward on on things. I just it seems like status quo prevails, but I think it's worth pursuing. And then whether it's November or off cycle, it's going to be a noisy election season, you know. So maybe it's a good time because you just throw more clutter. And people won't have a lot of time to to focus on this only one issue there'll be so many so strategically it might be a good idea for november how is the piece about possible uh, other ballot measures on at the same time how does that affect your support you see four ballot measures put in front of you on the same ballot i i think that's part oh, for me i think that's part for the course there's always you know a number of things to to vote for i think it depends on what the total cost of all of them combined ends up being because people will be hard pressed to choose which one to cut but i i guess i don't really i'm not really knowledgeable on on how that might weigh in kirkland since i haven't been around long enough John, I saw your hand go up. Still up or not? Sure. Oh, I, I didn't hear you. Um, 
I'm inclined towards the 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 levy versus the bond for this some of the same reasons that Tammy said, right? That it's a lower threshold, it's a better chance. I'm not sure what else is on the ballot, and I'm not quite sure whether it it helps or hurts to be on cycle or off cycle. I generally think it'll help to be on. Actually, you know, people won't just toss it <laughs> and not vote at all. Um, I do have a concern. Um, you know, it's the same problem that was identified when we did the prior issue was what happens to reinvestment to keep it up to date and to keep it operating. And, you know, I, I wouldn't want to vote for something. I mean, I would vote for it. Yeah. But I, well, my concern is that at some future date, you know, in year 10, let's say, um, all of a sudden there's a big gap. And, you know, if, if you don't pass another new levy, you're, you're stuck with, the problem that we were trying to avoid in the previous method, which included a lot of things, right? But it was also expensive. So I would generally, I would go for the 50 plus one, the, the levy rate approach. And, you know, I'm, I vote in everything, whether it's off cycle or on cycle, I'm not daunted by different ballot measures. I don't know what other ballot measures there will be on the ballot for us. Is it a, a levy, school levy or, um, Fire station, or do you know? Okay, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't hear you. Can you speak up a little bit? We ask them. She's asking, how do we know about the other levies? So we're in contact with what they're asking for. Yeah, we're, we're in contact with other organizations who would be putting levies on the ballot measure, including potentially King County. We, we stay in close contact. So you think that front running it might 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 benefit us? I'm I'm agnostic. I would go either way as long as it gets on there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think having a little bit of letting people think about how local and parochial they want to be isn't a bad thing. I'm inclined to say go for it, no matter how many other levies are on there. Yeah. One of the concerns on having a bunch of other levies is that if you see four different taxes tax increases, you might just say. No to all of them, <laughs> or you might dilute the vote of well, I'm gonna pick this one and not that one. Yeah. Um, mm. so if you're yeah. the only one proposing a tax increase, you may not get that <clears throat> vote that's there for some other reason as well. Those are all good points. People vote. Well, people also vote for their self-interest too. So, mm -hmm. you know, most levies there's some sort of benefit to. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess I'm agnostic on it. I think the main thing is if we pick one that doesn't arouse a no campaign, we have a much better chance. <laughs> if we can get the no's, if we can get the no's to either just be silent or, or endorse, then then it'll pass whether it's in August or November. This is giving the no's what they wanted, right? Yeah. The it's getting very close to exactly what Ken has been preaching for years. Yeah. I think that's part of why the council is considering this is it's <laughs> just to get it done. We heard, we, we heard, it's not one of the, the comments that I've heard is why are you why we decided to this question. Why are you why are you taking this back out? It's different. I think that's a piece of like getting that messaging out that we, we heard you the 280 was too big, the last measure that had something for everyone. Because again, that was that was an intentional decision. And we added other things beside the, the facility because we felt that it would attract more people to, the, to support the, the measure. Yeah, and it would provide stuff that people may have supported the trails and the restrooms were less interested in the pool, but supported it anyway. Yeah, this addresses it's a very clear do you want to build a pool, right? 
And you know the, then the you no get campaign. the then you get the answer then you get the answer right if it, if it goes down then then the city exactly. just focuses on other priorities it's really not if 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 the if the citizens vote it down after just saying do you want to build a pool and they say no well that's your answer you just take it off the agenda because there isn't the isn't really the will for it well I don't quite agree with that Tammy because I, I would rather have it stay on the agenda. Persistence and patience and perseverance pays off. <laughs> That's okay. why I'm not in power. I'm so slowly. I'm a never surrender on this on this issue. And we get, right. gotta keep working on it, whatever it is. So I would say, you know, one of the things the no camp campaign said before, say no to this so that we can bring something back quickly. Well, this is what's happening. We're bringing something back quickly. If yeah. they if they find another reason to oppose it, you know, I don't know what to do with them, but we're giving them kind of what they want as long as they will agree to the site, right? This is what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Kathy has a question. So you're going to do a statistically valid survey, is that right? On yeah. the ballot measures? Yes. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but we are finalizing those questions with the city council at the next, in the next couple of weeks. A survey is a statistically valid survey that's going out first. That'll go out. Early February, February. February. Shall be a little bit, and then immediately probably we'll do an open link survey so we can get. And um, does it tie the dollar Too complicated. We 
people didn't understand it. They didn't really, they didn't really just grasp it. This proposal is very cut and dry. It's a community pool, small. Both funding options are very clear and easy to understand, except for the operating cost. That's a different piece, but nine years, 30 years, this is what it is. Choose one. It's very clear. And this is this addresses the capital cost only. It has a start date and an end date, and you know about what it's going to cost you. So I think either one of those options is fine with me. I don't think I like I kind of like the nine-year levy. It's like get it done, you're finished in nine years, which is a pretty short time frame. Uh, and not and it's not a whole lot of money. That is very so I think it'd be easier for people to understand grasp. Uh, and I'm I would think I would be in favor of an August getting it on the on the calendar for for August time frame. November. It's the week after people pay property taxes. <laughs> people just write that big check. And you're asking them for more money, and then so are our public health and public safety and everybody else. Don't you don't have that problem in, in August? It's, fun. it's still an issue, but but it's not quite so. People haven't written that property tax since end of April, so it's a, a little time to recover in writing that, that check. It is it's true. It's not that I mean, I'm from the bumper. Yeah, I, I, I raised my hand again if that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, so one thing uh, that Mike was saying that kind of resonated with me you know, all the people who didn't make it into the programs for aquatics. It'll be fresher in their mind that it was summer and I couldn't get in and I couldn't get my kid in and it's still August, right? And it's like, hey, remember you, you wanted to get in? We're going to make it so you can get in in the future. Vote yes. And the other part Not is like, you can, I, you know, um, it's $150 a year per million dollar assessed valuation. So that's about... 13 bucks a month. If you really do a good, if you get on social media and you really start marketing $13 a month for the average, average homeowner for a brand new community pool, it makes, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't have my I hand. Think, I think you can sell it. <laughs> it's easier to sell. Mm -hmm. It's very cut and dry. This is what you're getting. Yeah. It costs 13 bucks a month. Is this a go or no go? Go ahead, Tim. I was just going to say that thirteen bucks a month um, is is a good number, and then it doesn't feel so bad when you have to pay a membership fee and a and a um, and some sort of session fee as well on top of it. And then, as long as there's continued to be scholarship, you can you can make the case. It's it's uh, there's also funding for program out there for from nonprofits. So uh, yeah. I, I agree with you guys. 
These specific questions were necessarily put. I know we talk a lot about. Yeah. So we didn't know those two options. The, the looking forward piece was all right. Yeah. And these, this looking forward, I want to just thank the city for for coming up with pulling pulling this together at the eleventh hour as a kind of a plan B, plan C, whatever one it is, and because it's a uh, it's it's an it's an appealing option. Clearly asks the citizens, you want a pool? Yes, no. Can you mention? It's cut and dry. It, it answers that question once, and it should get a pretty clear response on yeah. people, people's feeling about it. Well, that's that's good to hear. That's that's the council's intent. Hey, we, we heard what you said. Based upon what you're saying, is this what you want? Yeah. And if the answer is no, then Okay, so we, we have a few more items on the agenda. I'm going to go ahead and close that one down and move into the next item. Um, this is an interesting one the Hogan Park and Ride activation update. And John, I guess you're going to talk about this one. Yeah, so a couple weeks ago, um, I gave a presentation to City Council. Uh, with a few potential options that we've been considering uh, on how to activate the, the Houghton Park Ride. Obviously, the Houghton Park Ride was um, purchased. We're still we're nearing the final closing uh, date of the purchase, um, but 
we identified that site as the potential site for the uh, recreation and aquatic center that was included in Prop 1 that didn't pass, obviously not knowing what we're going to do with this uh, potential smaller aquatic center. Um, we don't want to have a giant parking lot sitting there vacant. Uh, so we proposed a few different ways that we could activate that site. Um, so short, yeah, short term. So I'm going to go through the presentation that I, this, I've changed park board where it's necessary to say council. Um, I would like to get your feedback as well. Um, I gathered some of the council's feedback, um, but we're still developing plants. So with that, um, so again, while long-term uh, plans are de determined for that site, we're looking for short-term ways to utilize the property uh, to do that. Um, a couple of the options that we've discussed, um, so again, the, the picture on the side is just the, the park and red property for reference. Um, obviously, as a parks and recreation, parks and community services department, we've got a lot of ideas for how we can use the site. This is only a few of them. Um, things like putting some pickleball courts, skate parks, bike amenities, um, additional recreation programming, um, and community events and programming as well. Um, so not just supporting uh, recreation stuff, but um, other community use, um, whether that's pop-up market, special events, things of that nature. Um, and then there was some other interest from folks within the city. Um, the fire department expressed the possibility of being able to conduct some trainings out there um, or utilize some of the space for staging and storage. Everyone's like you may notice in a parking lot of a park, um, we fence off some space for contractors to use. Um, so that they can store equipment or store supplies um, off-site of their construction projects. We can utilize the site for that as well. Um, uh, highlighting how we came up with some of the ideas and proposals that we did, um, it, just to like, ground things back to where, where this all comes from, primarily comes from the pros plan and from the community feedback and surveys. Uh, pickleball courts um, are identified as a priority need and they're mentioned I double checked. I think I said 90 times on the presentation. I was excited about more like 45 times. Um, but it's still a lot of times. Um, the pickleball was mentioned. Um, and there are specific goals that, it, that talk about skate parks, pump tracks, um, and other recreation type of menus. Um, the active transportation plan, which is not ours, but the written plan that the city has, um, also references traffic gardens as a, a great way to uh, educate kids on safe bike travel. And I'll explain what a traffic garden is in here a little bit. Um, and then we've also received community feedback from youth council, city council, all the art Kirklands and uh, emails that we directly receive. Your feedback, um, really any feedback has gone into this. We're, we're, we are trying to respond to the community's needs. Um, so thinking about pickleball courts, Prop 1 included pickleball courts that were more than likely going to be installed at the Hope Park Ride site with the rec center when it's going to get built. Um, however, we can still use the site for some pickleball courts because we know there's a huge demand for pickleball. Um, and there's a couple ways to do it um, that we're proposing. One would be like a, do it using the site for like pop-up courts or uh, tournaments. Using uh, the picture on the upper left there is from the, an event over in Seattle called Pickleball for All. They used a rollout mat, if you will, so like a real thin sheet um, that they put over the street. Um, the upper right picture is some asphalt courts, so we could use um, our friends over at Public Works to help mill up the surface and put in some asphalt, some temporary asphalt courts. Um, what we are not talking about or proposing is the permit courts. We just wanted to reference that. Um, the temporary courts, even the long-term temporary or semi-permanent courts, 
are not built in the same way that we would build a permanent court. If we were to go out and put in more pickleball courts on a permanent basis like we have at Everest, that's a thick concrete slab, got fencing in between all the courts, fencing around it, lots of other amenities. We're talking a pretty bare bones, short-term thing that could be restored back to a parking lot real fast. Um, just for frame of reference, so you all understand what the, those cost differences are between the pop-up, what I'm calling our pop-up courts, um, and those semi-permanent courts. Um, that rollout matting costs about nine grand plus tax and shipping. And um, you can also purchase a subfloor underneath it. So because it's so thin, it'll show every crack and bump and pebble that's under there. So you can buy this nice subfloor to put under it. That's another 12 grand. Still want to address the, the grading on the site. So there's still be some, some site work to do. Um, all in, each court would be, we're ballparked about 24 grand. Um, and that's for a pop-up court that I would not recommend for long-term use because it's a, it's a mat. It could blow away. Um, um, the semi-permanent courts, um, to resurface the asphalt, to, to kind of create the 20 by 60, 30 by 60 um, court. High-end estimate was $15,000 from public works. Um, but that all depends on the actual conditions they find, how thick the asphalt is, how much new asphalt they need to bring in. Um, we could paint them to look like the like with the normal green and blue tennis court uh, look for an additional 3,700. Uh, same thing for some nets and surround panels, uh, 2,500 and then each court about 21,000. So what we're proposing is to build four semi-permanent, the asphalt option courts on the site uh, with a few, few additional site amenities, some benches, trash cans, picnic tables, um, perhaps maybe a small, like, I want to call it a picnic shelter, but just a small, like, buy one, prefab shelter, not some heavily engineered, massive, robust thing. Um, so we're, we're proposing to build four pickleball courts out there on, on the site and for a budget of about $100,000. Um, there's, we have received requests for a new skate park for as long as I've been here, and I think longer than that, because um, you can't really even call what we have as a skate park, a true skate park, um, based on what's available these days. Um, so we would, we've already identified a company that's on a collective purchasing, a cooperative purchasing agreement that we could work with to help expedite this process, but we would install modular elements that could be relocated in the future uh, or changed up or, or modified rather than building a permanent um, in-ground concrete uh, skate park or pump track or things of that nature. Um, so the next bunch of slides are just a bunch of pictures to kind of give you a sense of what we're looking at when we talk about the modular. Uh, I tried to find pictures that had scale for reference so you can get a sense of how big that is. Um, so you can see there's the basketball court in the back. Um, this, this is the type of product that we would put. It could just go right on the, the existing asphalt surface. Um, things like this rail would need to be concreted in, but that's pretty, pretty simple to remove and, and patch up later. Uh, but they're, this can basically just be put on the ground. Um, and there are a variety of different uh, designs, and this one's showing that it's it on asphalt in an old parking lot. So pretty interesting image there. A um, few different designs. Um, this one's actually down in Covington. Uh, and this actually spurred a different idea of potentially uh, using the site for some art as well, um, which was not mentioned in the, the presentation. Uh, but part of the discussion was um, we could do that. And I actually thought, if we do construction late staging, we could do an art project for the, the screening 
so that you don't just look at this in the construction zone. Um, we could do some sort of art project there. So um, this this image shows the the modular pump track or one one modular pump track. Um, uh, and I honestly, this, it's not the best picture, but I picked this picture intentionally because it shows a pretty rough ground and it shows that you can put it on really anything. Um, so you can see all the cracks and the grass growing through the, the, the surface because you stay on the little black surface the whole time. So it doesn't really matter what the ground looks like. Um, this picture also has a, a modular skate park in the background. Um, with, that'd probably be similar to what I'm thinking. Just a pretty small structure that keeps you out of the rain or out of the sun, depending on the time of the year. Um, uh, the modular pump tracks are um, pretty simple to move, according to the company. So we could relocate that to other parks in the future, um, or um, it could be a good trial ground for something like that for, for a future installation. I chose this picture because I, want, I wanted to show that it can be installed on any type of surface, uh, because again, you're, you're primarily riding on the actual track itself, not the, um, the surrounded area. Um, then a traffic garden um, or bicycle playground, sometimes they're called, um, are, uh, can be as simple or as complex as you want to make them. Um, and the, the intent there is to give kids an opportunity to kind of ride through traffic, if you will. So like you can see this picture is just some simple spray paint in the ground. They've got some stop signs. Um, looks like maybe a crosswalk. It's, a, it's kind of an opportunity to teach kids like, okay, if you're gonna ride your bike to school, this is, you stop at stop signs and you look before you cross the street. Um, over here, I'm gonna move, move Tammy real quick. Um, you can see like, I, I, I picked two very different images just to kind of show the scale that you can make them. They can be as simple as spray paint on the ground um, or a very robust use of this entire school's parking lot somewhere. I don't know where this image is from. Um, what we are proposing is to use the north half of the, the northern parking lot, so the border of the site, essentially, um, to build and place these skate park, bike communities, traffic gardens, and for reference, two tennis courts is like a quarter, about half that site. So thinking about some of those previous pictures I showed, that's a lot of space um, that we could utilize for that sort of, um, those sort of features. And I think that would meet a huge need of the, the community. Um, Jen, you had me a pickleball. <laughs> I like it. Um, um, as I mentioned earlier, we can also, in addition to having some open park type amenities, the bike and skate park and the pickleball courts, um, we could utilize the site for additional recreation and community programming. Uh, some of them may utilize those amenities, so we might be able to do some skate camps uh, or some pickleball lessons uh, or pickleball programming. I know um, one of the uh, complaints we received last year was that we were scheduling pickleball programming at the peak time that people wanted to use the courts. By building more courts, we would have an option for people to still have open recreation courts as well as allow us time to, to program. Because um, like Sarah mentioned, we don't want to program at times that people don't want to participate. So we're not going to schedule a pickleball camp or pickleball tournament at 10 a.m. during the week if we know all of our participants want to come at 6 p.m. Um, but if that's also the time that all the general recreation folks want to come, we're competing with our own users. Um, a couple other ideas that have been thrown out would be um, some new community events, so like a chalk art festival um, or trunk or treating events. Um, 
and then we could also open it up for community. So uh, upper right there is um, a flea, uh, flea market uh, or community yard sale, depending on what you want to call it. Um, we could do food truck rodeos there. Um, there was also talks with um, folks up in the city manager's office about just working with the business community, maybe doing some pop-up sales, or I know we received some comments. We should do a winter holiday market like we did over in Seattle. Um, that was a much bigger deal than it would have been on our site, but uh, certainly there's a lot of options that could be considered to activate that site. It's a rather large uh, property and uh, we could easily add um, some programming or shift some of our programming out there, whether it's use the parking lot for the drive-in movies, create um, one image. I mentioned earlier construction staging and fire department training. Um, it's hard to find big spaces that fire can drive their trucks around and practice. Um, so a big, large parking lot actually is very beneficial for them to be able to do that. Um, they already use some of our sites for, for training. Um, Snyder's, they do uh, the trench training out there. And then, like I mentioned, um, this actually is from Google Maps in the parking lot. Someone is already using some of the site for construction staging. Um, but that that's the sort of concept we have there. Uh, and the lower half of the site could easily be used to observe for that sort of site. Um, some of the other concepts that were thrown out there that I didn't mention now that I think about it, doing some of those like styrofoam recycling events or electronics recycling events. Um, we've hosted some of those up at NK before. Um, and so that'd be a good opportunity to host those down there. Um, obviously real close to the uh, transfer station too. Um, I think that's so and at one time, Washington uh, DOT was like, who owns that? Who owns that property now? Was going to sell it to the city with with an with an easement for an off ramp. Mm -hmm. Is that still in the works? It's yeah, we have a closing date um, already on the books for February to buy it, and it, it does involve the and the stipulation with the easement is that we can't put a permanent structure. And nothing here would be perfect. Great, thank you. And that easement kind of, it's hard to see on the screen, but it kind of feels like a little So this is the overall kind of layout. You can see the, the northern half is on the left side and the southern half is on the right side of just how we're proposing that we could utilize the site and activate it. Um, so you can really see there's a lot of space out there. Uh, there's a restaurant there is. There's a small little restroom. Uh, I was like, where are you seeing that? Uh, <laughs> right here is a small little, small little restroom. And so we would turn that on and activate that. Um, and so kind of summarizing all of our proposals and where we're at with council, um, we, we proposed a $500,000 budget uh, to install those amenities, get that stood up uh, with ongoing maintenance costs for Jason's team to maintain the site, uh, which and utilities and all the rest of that stuff, um, including, and also trash collection throughout the site because you don't want to have people just throwing trash all over the place. Um, 35 grand. Council has given us direction to come back with a more refined proposal. So I've wor I'm working with the skate park or the uh, skate vendor to come up with a concept, a couple concept designs that we're going to seek some community feedback on. Uh, we're going to try and sharpen our pencil on some of those programming numbers and pickleball courts. Um, but I would love to hear if you guys have feedback or thoughts on these concepts. I just have a yeah. clarifying question. So it's not either or, it's pickleball court, pickleball courts and skate park. Is that together? 
think accommodate both. That's a horrible it's, it's a big site, so it can, it can And then I saw in the council memo that part of the cost is offset by leasing out some of the space for construction. Could, could be. And public works and starting conversations on that. Uh, but we won't know for some time what the final. I'm very interested in seeing city reports with uh, football owners. Football, yeah. I mean, we've heard that over and over and over again. Uh, it's a better hand up. We know that the, the pickleball courts at Everest are used all the time. Some of the neighbors have complained about the noise. Just the, the, the noise that uh, racket, the ball sliding things. Noise that wouldn't be an issue here. I don't think that's possible. There's, there's, still a, there's still a slight concern. I'm trying to find a good picture. Um, so it's we're oriented north south, which is ideal. Um, because it sounds intense. I've read it, I don't I can't put that sound here, but I have read that sound tends to be worse at the ends of the courts. Um, you can still hear outside, but I think it's not, it doesn't travel the same. Yeah. Um, uh, the the reason I picked this spot is because it's basically the furthest from any of the uh, neighboring properties. Yeah. Um, the beauty is there's this there is a pretty big slope up um, and lots of dense vegetation, which is one of the best ways to mitigate that sound. And there's a freeway right there, which is going to drown out a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I come on board, so you. We're proposing four right now. It's four. That's four. It's four. That's four. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. They're they're going north south. Yeah. Thank you. And so it's it's painted. I, I had to find something. Yeah. I I think that's a great start. There's power and water there. Yes. Events. Things. There's. Good. I really like the idea of the drive. That sounds really cool. And I think, yeah, I think especially like among teenagers, like all my friends would go to that for sure. Like I know the Mary Moore drive in things are like really popular, but I would love to have that in Kirkland. We've got three scheduled for this spring. Sure, I'll send you some. Please share. Uh, Tammy, you have your name up or head up? Yeah, thanks. Um, I think it's a great idea. Uh, very creative. And um, I love especially sort of the intergenerational nature of it. Parents can be playing pickleball where their kids are riding their bikes. And another thing to maybe consider is, um, you know how you have that urban workout, like, um, I don't know what it's called, but for either elder, older folks or just, you know, bars for pull-ups and just sort of passive fitness around that could be could be um, used by adults while they're supervising their kids. Might be nice to have um, if that can be anchored into the concrete as well. Um, just something else to think about adding to the space if if it's not cost prohibitive. Do you know the kind of stuff I'm talking about? So. It's in parks. Sometimes it's like an elliptical or it's just a pull-up bar or it's some sort of body yeah. pairing. Good idea. For teen, and teens, teens could use it as well. 
You know how in Thoughtful, in Downtown Thoughtful, they have those little sheds and like little vendors that fell out of them? Those seem pretty economical and they look really cute. That was really like vendors fell out of. But that's my piece work. And then pop up market back. Sorry, does this also include um, parking? Like, so the people can. Yeah, so I'm on the north half of the site. I've reserved uh, this orange square for oh, parking, just kind of making sure that the people using the pickleball courts and the skate. Uh, skate park would have somewhere to park, uh, especially as I was figuring out what we were doing with the other half. Um, this other, again, the actual layout may change, but it was more just for scale of what how much space we could use, um, what that could look like. Uh, essentially, this area would be used for all those things, and when not, it could be parking. One of the comments, I, I said rideshare parking. One of the comments I received from the, one of the uh, Rattle Trail's neighbors um, was, when that parking lot was closed, they've seen a lot more cars into their neighbor's neighborhood, um, just because they may not be using the parking ride, but they were using it as a rideshare location for parking, carpooling over in Seattle or whatnot. Um, so we would make that space available for, for general parking when not scheduled for events or, pro or programs. Um, could, I guess. Um, so if you were to move forward, city was to move forward with this proposal, the time frame for action. We are going back to council in March with that refined plan uh, or proposal. Uh, the we could have the the ski vendor says that this is their busiest time of year because everyone gets their budgets and start spending it. Um, <laughs> but he would he was confident we could get something going by the by the summer uh, if we had the green light and got the purchase made. And then doing the asphalt work and whatnot, we just have to work that into public work schedule. Uh, generally, you want to be a little bit warmer when you're doing asphalt. We wouldn't do that in February, but we do that early spring or late spring. Any other comments? Oh, sorry. I was, um, I'm trying to look at that too. <laughs> um, I'm on representative to South Road, not South, South Road, so. And they also kind of are interested in this area. And I know that they are very interested in seeing it being used rather than, I think they appreciate the fencing around it, um, but being used for something rather than um, being um, just a site where people end up, you know, going and accumulating, you know, there and there's, you know, I think they're more worried about public safety. Okay. So they, they get it, he's responsible for um, public safety issues. Don, do you think that council approved that much money for this temporary pop-up? They were interested. I'll put it that way. They were interested. Um, it might depend on if um, revenue is available from the laid-down space, because it did potentially offset the cost, and we don't know that for a fact. A lot of interest. I mean, so it's a lot of 
You can't go into any room and not have people ask you about this law. <laughs> Well, I'll keep you guys abreast of any developments that we uh, take on that We'll know more in March. Great, uh, Either way, I'll idea. be presenting the council before Park Forty. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, moving down on the agenda, I have six communications. We have. 14 minutes left. Conscious of that. Uh, do we have any correspondence this, this week? We do not. Next is department monthly reports. Any questions on the monthly report? It did feature the story, uh, or the cover story was about the acquisition of the physical. I will share the uh, link to the Cairo story about that. That uh, I was interviewed in a meeting. Also, I was. I'm very. I will say pleasantly surprised at how much the community is interested in that parcel. It's a small little spot with a river running through it, a little creek around through it. But um, clearly, it's it's motivating the community. And that's why I like this spot. What folks actually want to do with it. I'll share that link with everyone so they have that one. Tammy, I think I think you were the one that asked the question in October or something like that time frame. You said this the city ought to buy that piece of property and uh they had a park. This is right next mm -hmm. right next to uh, Ross Berkeley Corridor. And so Tammy speaks. <laughs> Great, that was speedy. <laughs> I take it all back. Bureaucracy was fast on this one, which is highly interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a comment about the monthly reports, John. Uh, I, I was looking over the uh, the report, the monthly report for December, and I was really impressed with um, the. Uh, Green Kirkland Partnership and how how valuable they are to the city and certainly to PCS. Mm -hmm. um, some of the metrics they, they call out on the last page of the report that uh, the goal is to restore and maintain 513 acres of natural parkland. And they, they had four goals. Two of the goals they met completely and just blew them out of water, but they were so successful. Other two, they're still in work trying to, trying to keep those goals. But one that really impressed me the most was their goal was to have at least 921 volunteers active in 23. And they ended up having twice that many, 1,818 volunteers. And that's a huge number of volunteer hours. That people can they volunteer, maybe citizens of Kirkland volunteer to make our parks or in our natural areas look so nice. So I just want to call that out. A lot of dedication for that. That's amazing. Yeah. And they've been apparently they've been they've been a the relationship that's been around for about 16 years, I read. I didn't realize that they had been around that long either. So 
It was all volunteer to start with. I see Jason over there wants to say something. <laughs> oh, well, you have questions. No, it, it has actually been really positive. There's, we have 53 stewards now. Yeah. So a steward will take on a, uh, a site near their home, usually. And it's just been a really cool, um, people have given us really good feedback in terms of like connecting with their neighbors. Um, a lot of times when we have businesses that we call, we'll connect them in with the stewards so they can have uh, like a steady pool of volunteers um, helping with their different sites. And they're making some really awesome gains. Like just the economy and the scale is really cool with the program. So yeah. for sure. I think just this last fall, it was somewhere between six and seven thousand plants we, we got out there in the system. Not just trees, but shrubs and different things. So pretty cool. Really cool. Yeah, I, I was I was blown away when I read the stats yeah. about what this group does. Yeah. And it's all a bunch of volunteers yeah. in their time. We have a really um great coordinator named Jeremy. Uh, does a lot of coordination. We have some staff that facilitate as well. We have a formal person by the name of Ian Hemberthy that is coordinated, does a lot of grant writing, and we are able to kind of leverage um, some dollars, we grants, and uh, to help buy plants. So it's been, yeah, super cool. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah for sure. good stuff. Um, are there any other questions or comments regarding the uh, department monthly reports? Moving down to next uh, item C, staff updates and information. And one that I wrote on my list. Let me do that. Um, save the date. You'll start seeing it. I don't know if they've sent them out already or not, but uh, telling you now, the community appreciation event for um, Fourth Commission's volunteers uh, is Wednesday, May fifteenth. Putting that on your on your radar now. You are all invited. Um, and I didn't print it because I slipped my mind, but I will share and I'll send out um, with the rescheduled meeting dates. Uh, we're now the fourth Wednesday of the month. Um, as we said last time we met, that's going to cause a problem in November and December. So I've rescheduled those meetings to the third Wednesday of the month because I assume we're going to go to Park Board the night before Thanksgiving or Christmas Day. Uh, so move those to the third Wednesday. So I'm going to send those to you. Um, also, because of the, the late shift, some of the, some days this room wasn't available as soon as next month. Um, yeah. Next month, we're in the Rose Hill room, which is the room we met in last month upstairs, because um, this room was already booked. Uh, but I've already booked January 2025. This room. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get it every day. All right. So we can only go a year in advance. That's our <laughs> I'll be sharing that out with all of you first uh, and Any other staff updates? Mary, do you have anything? You always have a lot of other things you're working on. I think we were. Everest, Everest or. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, I just pulled up my list. Uh, working on uh, Everest Park restroom replacement. Um, as well as uh, Houghton Beach. Um, that one's only, Houghton Beach is only going to go to a 10% design as we look into some options of relocating it. Um, one to be a little further away from the lake and another one to move it closer to the road up against 
through it. Um, Everest is, um, and then once we get those ten percent designs, we'll we'll have some better cost estimates and implications on that one. So Houghton's a little bit trickier. Everest is pretty straightforward. And that's going to be a straight up uh, restroom replacement, um, and they they're both right now in design. How about the Everest plate uh, area? And the Everest plate ground um, and ADA pathways will have an RFQ or an RFP sent out RFQ um, in I say early second quarter so early spring and so that process is upcoming also have two other planning initiatives scheduled for the year um, Snyder's corner master plan development plan so that's actually a, a, something you guys should be aware of. I'm not sure if you caught this administrative uh, agenda item on city council, but we are now not using the term master plan, uh, but we're changing it to development plan. And there's a lot of um, equity issues and, and race issues that really were the basis of that. Um, so uh, just a quick administrative change, we're calling it a development plan. And so that, that one, again, would go through the similar uh, RFQ process um, for Snyder's Corner uh, Park development. And then lastly, in the end of the year will be a uh, beginning of the Green Loop. Um, in antiquity, it's been called the Green Loop Master Plan. So that name will probably change, but um, that's later in the year. So. What's that? Trail plan. Trail plan. Let's just tell, call it what it is, it right? Is, just yeah. call it what it is, for heaven's sake, right? Um, nothing is in construction, and um, we're doing some pre-design work for Marina Park um, uh, repairs of the South Pier and upland improvements and some utilities. We're finalizing the contract with that um, civil engineer. And what's the other one that's in design? That's enough. I can't remember. There's so many things on my list, Mike. Keep you busy. Yes. No, I, it's got some great stuff going on. Wonderful. Thanks. Yeah, good stuff. Do you have anything you need to talk about? Weather gave us a little curveball. A couple of spills that cold weather. Sure, pretty did. Pretty <laughs> We. Cracking cold pipes with our customer service trying to keep the restaurants open that aren't necessarily all right. But uh, other than that, um, it's a good time of year. You got some folks at training. Training is a thing usually in the wintertime for us because summertime just doesn't doesn't work. So we got some folks getting their CDLs and um, getting their certifications all up to date. And, uh, and then just a lot of basic things. You, you might see a lot of arbor chips going out. We had about a pile of about maybe 1,500 yards. And I think we're down to like maybe six or seven hundred yards but we were putting out copious amounts of chips this is the time of year where we kind of prep for the spring and summer so we go through clean up landscape beds do the pruning and then put down big amounts of chips before things like suppressing weeds building health soil retaining water in the summertime so but um, yeah a lot of basic maintenance out there so, yeah yeah well our parks look great so thank you but we got some great staff it's not me it's, it's our folks out the field for sure the other staff updates or any other comments? Um, quick event promotion for Lunar New Year on February 
third. Let me double check. Third. Yes. Third. Week from Saturday. Um, it's 2 to 4 p.m. at Peter Kirk Community Center. There will be Beer Dragon. There's going to be um, a uh, dance group, um, traditional uh, Chinese um, dance performance, uh, some food, some crafts for kids, all kinds of fun stuff, some giveaways. Um, so if you're looking for something to do, come play with us. Um, we're looking for a handful of more volunteers, too. If anyone's interested or knows anyone's interested. Um, and then the other event I just wanted to um, mention really quick that Adam is leading is our job fair. Do you want to say anything about that? Grabbing job fair? <laughs> just one. Grabbing that summer uh, hiring job fair at the North Kirby Community Center on March 30th, Saturday. We can share some um, marketing. We're developing that right now. We'll share the flyer and information with you all. Uh, as you heard tonight, we're looking to hire a lot of uh, <laughs> folks for summer and, um, you know, can use all, all the help we can get in terms of just getting the word out and, and looking for folks who are looking for some It's really great for high school students. Right. 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 No other comments on the staff updates brings to uh, comments from, from me. I think I've talked enough tonight. So I don't really have anything else I want to add. Um, the folks online, did you have any last minute comments or? Something from me. I don't. Thank you. Great. Um, so we have now we're at the end of our agenda. Hearing no other issues, comments, questions, uh, this, this meeting is adjourned. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. I know. Uh, <laughs> I, I almost looked like this for you when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> you your cell phone. Oh, there, there you go. That would be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs>